As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Hello and welcome to Front and Nationwide. This is the Athletics' dedicated Blue Jackets podcast. Aaron Portsign with you on a Tuesday morning. Allison Lucan is here. Hello. We are joined. I call him the Sultan of Smooth because I don't know that I've ever <laughs> seen anybody so smooth on the air. Field and grounders like Barry Larkin taking stop it slap shots like. Wayne Gretzky, Brian Gieschenslaw, Fox Sports Ohio is with us. Brian, thanks for being here. Porty, it's not like I've been introduced a lot in my day, but that <laughs> has to be the nicest introduction I've ever had. So thank you very much for that, and thanks to you and Lucan for, uh, for having me. This is fun. Well, it's all true. It's all true. And we have, oh my God, we have hockey news to talk about. Big hockey news. Uh, the NHL, the NHLPA have agreed in principle – not just to a, on a return-to-play plan, but also a six-year uh, collective bargaining agreement. Now, this it has been written as a six-year extension. It's not quite that. It overrides the next two years that had already been agreed upon. And then it goes four years beyond that. So we, the NHL should be playing, um, if nature, if this virus allows, uh, through 2025-26. Uh, key dates you want to know about. Training camps open July 13. Teams will travel to their hub cities on the 26th or 27th of July. And the qualifying rounds, best of five series, will begin on August 1st. Of course, the Blue Jackets play uh, Toronto. The CBA should be ratified here in the next few days. After that, players will have a window uh, to notify their clubs if they're not playing. They don't have to give a reason 
If they don't need a note from a doctor or a parent, it's just they don't feel comfortable playing. No penalties, nothing held against them. They've basically been paid in full for this year because the players have turned their last check uh, back to the, the owners and the league to, to help cover some of the losses. Lots to talk about. Uh, the one thing I think is really interesting, and, and Allison, weigh in on this if you would, how many players do you think are going to opt out? What's the likelihood that we'll see hockey players say, I don't feel comfortable playing in these games? Yeah, I mean, we got from the, from the NHL and the NHLPA last night copies of all the terms and conditions and rules. And first of all, I didn't even want to read it once I saw how many pages it was. <laughs> and then I read it and I was like, this sounds awful. <laughs> um, that's my personal opinion. And, you know, yeah. geez, I'd love for you to weigh in on this too, because I, what I think is really a question here for me, and we've talked about this before, is not necessarily how many will opt out, but how, it, it's not that they don't want to, but it's the difference across sports that we're seeing. I mean, we're seeing some baseball players make the decision to not engage in the risk to return to play this year. And, and I don't know that there's a hockey player, a significant number of hockey players, I should say, that will take that same risk from a career slash perception perspective. I don't know, Gies, what I mean, do you see that difference across the sports, baseball to, to hockey? Well, as soon as you said that, that's the first thing I thought was the last several days reading the number of baseball players that have not only already opted not to play, but some of the game's biggest stars in baseball are in camp right now, working out right now, but have been very open and very public about saying, look, I'm not completely comfortable. Uh, I told myself and told my family that I'd come and give this a try, but I'm kind of hanging onto that card to opt out if I get to the point where I'm, where I'm not comfortable. And that's, uh, you know, Mike Trout said that. Buster Posey said that. Chris Bryant essentially said that after you've already seen guys like a Cy Young winner and David Price in L.A. already said he won't play. Uh, Nick Marcakis, Ryan Zimmerman, you know, it's, it's probably, you know, coming up on 10 players maybe at this point who either have opted out or have indicated that they possibly might. And I know everybody's situation is different. Everybody's family is different. Uh, the way you feel is different. But like you said, so is the way each sport is set up and trying to do this. There's no blueprint. There's no... Every sport should do it this way. And there's some big differences between baseball and hockey and how they're trying to accomplish playing again. Uh, one of those being that baseball is just the entire season. Hockey, it's just the playoffs. Does that matter? Does, does a player, is a player like a hockey player more likely to buy in and bite the bullet and try to get it done because it's the Stanley Cup playoffs after the qualifying round? Uh, whereas the baseball player is going, you know what, this is, this is just regular season baseball we're talking about right now. We might not even get to the playoffs. There are all these factors, but every day that we talk to baseball players or that we read something from one of the other sports, every day this, this vision that we've had of how this might all come together looks a little bit different to me. And so I think as we go along, I think you're going to see some differences of opinion and some personal preference and, I, I, you know, it's, it's good and expected that, you know, the leagues have, have created these exit ramps and these opportunities for guys to make personal decisions. Uh, and I think they will. I, I think there will be hockey players 
who opt out. Uh, you're talking about the, you know, the, the way the bubble is set up and what we all read yesterday. It's, it's tough. It's going to be tough to pull off, but it's also going to be tough once someone's inside, I think, maybe gets a taste of it and thinks, can I really maintain this for five or six weeks uh, if I need to? I think that's, that's going to be a question a lot of guys ask themselves. Yeah, and I think, I think there is a – we've been taught or told that there is a difference between average hockey player and average baseball player. Um, and I think that, that there may be cultural differences in the sports. But I also think, to your point, baseball is going to play 60 games, correct? Yeah, try to. So, yeah, right. So that's a minimum of, of what, 10 weeks, 11 weeks? They're playing so, 60 games in 66 days. Woo! Uh, sounds, like, sounds like the International League days when I used to play. <laughs> That's right. That's intense. So right, right there is for sure everyone is making a two-month-plus commitment. Whereas yeah. in hockey, they're coming back for the postseason. Eight of these teams, so 240 players are going to be done yep. in minimum five, or maximum five games. They're all gone. Uh, half of the teams, half of the 24 teams that are that are continuing to play, are going to be gone after the first round of the playoffs. So, for, it, it's going to be a commitment. I think the way a hockey player could look at this is, if I'm going to commit two months, three months of my life away from my family right here, I damn sure better win the Stanley Cup or have a, a shot at it. Mm-hmm. Whereas there are baseball teams and players. I think one of the things with baseball with no cap is you know if you if you have a team that can win it all almost before the season starts. In a lot of cases, there aren't really that many surprises. Uh, maybe there will be in 60 games, but everyone's making a commitment of two months before the playoffs even even begin. Do, do, do you think this impacts things significantly, Keith? No, absolutely I do. And, and that's what I agree with you about, you know, with hockey – your commitment for the vast majority of those guys seems uh, to be a lot less because they could be out. But you also have to think about the fact that these guys have been off for three months. You know, what, where is, where is your head after, after three months? Uh, No one wants to, you know, no one wants to let a teammate down. Uh, They don't want to cheat the game, all, all those things that we talk about. But, um, it's just, it's just a different world, and in everyone's home and in everyone's head right now, regardless of sport, you know, that this, is, this is what it is. Everyone has a different view of the world right now. Everyone has a different view of the virus. Everyone has a different view of, of how they're going to handle things, and I, I just think you're going to run into some of that somewhere along the way in hockey, and I, I think you know, so far in baseball, with with what you've read and heard, you know, everyone's been very respectful of the guys that have opted out. There, there have also been several uh, coaches, and that's another thing. Where, regardless of the sport, where some of the coaches are, you know, in their sixties or seventies, and and obviously at a higher risk, they've already opted out. And and I would hope that that would continue to be the case in any sport that that someone would respect someone's personal decision. But because we're trying to do something that we've never done before, and that we still have so few concrete answers about because we're trying to do that. I think there are going to be some differences in, in how guys see things. And, and as we get a little deeper into it or a little closer to it, I think you'll probably see some, some differences in how people approach how important a return to play is. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder too, if, if we're going to see some people start into this guys start into this 
and then decide I can't do this. Like this, mm-hmm. is, this is too much and, and I'm out. And Allison, I'm wondering when you think about the possibility of that, but also the, this living in a bubble, bubble hockey. Um, <laughs> What is that going, what's, what's, what's the biggest part of that? Or is, are there aspects of that that make you go, really, can this work? Like, is this, is this any way, for, I know everybody wants hockey back, even hockey players, but is this any way to live? Is this all worth it? Yeah, I mean, again, it's what, the first document is like 17 pages and it's written in the most dry language <laughs> you, could, you could read. But, and it has to be, of course, but, you know, I read when you, when you look at the player experience, you know, it's six feet apart at all times, even on planes and buses, testing every day, staying in your hotel room. If you test negative, multiple tests, multiple options to be self-quarantined away, not leaving your room, only getting food delivered to certain places, only eating at certain places. I mean, it's, it just seems so confined. I mean, even just the stress of, not too many people on the elevator. It, it's just a, it's a very stress inducing, in my opinion, setup, and it has to be. Um, mm-hmm. But you know what, what concerns me too, and again, I'm sure a lot more thinking has gone into this than I've given it, but you read about the groups of people and the levels of control and testing that will be uh, against each group of people based on what their role is. But it takes just one of those people in group four, which is people who have very limited to no contact with players, who has the option to live at home, potentially. One, you know, exposure and and that bubble is pierced. And so I feel like the confinement plus the anxiety that at least I would have, you know, we we talked to a, a sports psychologist about different issues last week, but the impact of that weight and then having to prepare for play after, just like Guy said, not playing for months. It does not sound fun <laughs> to me. <laughs> and I, I wonder, is this going to result in the greatest hockey we've seen in a while? <laughs> the, the rage of it all? Um, or is uh, there's going to be, it's going to be rough a little bit. The first couple of days of camp are going to be really like, no one's ever done this before. No one's ever taken three months off and come back in July before. Um, I, I think their body clocks are going to be weird because these guys have been following the same schedule for most of their lives. Um, Geese, any thoughts on what the, what the start is going to look like with the, with the level of play I think the guys are going to be invested. I think if they're going to go through all this, they're damn sure going to leave everything they've got, on the ice, I, I, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's going to be sloppy to start. And, um, you know, we've talked to some of the guys, some of the Jackets players, as, as we've done our little Fox Sports Ohio Zoom shows, and, and I kind of presented it to a couple of guys the same way. Is, you know, by the time they get to training camp, they will have had, you know, basically what amounts to an offseason. Yeah. And, and, and then you're being asked to come back and play, but you're being asked – to come back and play from the first second of the first game Absolutely. at a, at a life and death level. And as right. much as everybody in the game says, you know, every game you play it like your last, every game you're in from, you know, from the first whistle, it's just different. It's not going to be because you're right. It's, it's been that long. 
their their body clocks are all screwed up in terms of their off season and their season. And you know, I know we'll probably talk about this as well. And you won't have the adrenaline of the building. You won't mm-hmm. have the electricity and the energy in the building, which you know some people may not buy into that, but anybody that's been in that environment and certainly someone that's competed in that environment. And those of us that have talked to those people, it, it's, it makes a difference. It, it does make a difference uh, in the level of energy, I think within the players. And so that's, that's going to be a big factor too. And so I think it's going to be rough to just hit the ground and go zero to 60, you know, at game one. Um, so what, what kind of hockey is that? Well, it, it could be a little bit sloppy. Uh, it could mean uh, that the less talented team has a much better chance. It could mean that it's just so crazy it's really fun to watch. It also could mean that if it's sloppy and it looks like bad hockey and it's in a dead silent arena that it's tough to watch, mm. you know, all of those things. So who knows? Um, you know, you'd like to think that as, as they get deeper into it, the qualifying round into the into the round of 16, that things get better, but – you know, who, who knows? We don't know. And I applaud the effort going back to what Allison said. You've got to, you, you've got to put these things in place to, to have a plan, to get back, to start to get going. It seems like way too much. And no one is going to keep all of these rules. No one is going <laughs> to be able to fulfill this requirement of staying away. In baseball, guys are still going to spit. They may catch themselves and not do it as much. Right. But these are, these are things that your body almost does involuntarily after all these years, right? And so they're going to be things, but at least from the league standpoint, you have to lay out the best, most airtight plan that you can think of, at least to start with, and at least have that as a starting point knowing that you're not going to get to that standard, that bar, but hoping that everyone sees it enough as the level and as the bar that they're trying to attain, that they come somewhere close to it and give themselves the best chance to continue playing without some interruption. Yeah. I remember when baseball and the minor leagues did away with chewing tobacco, when you weren't Mm -hmm. allowed to chew tobacco. And they literally had, um, like, spies from the league would come down field level after the game. (laughs) And go through the dugout looking for tobacco stains that would prove that somebody was chewing tobacco. <laughs> These guys are, aren't going to be – baseball guys aren't going to be able to, to chew and spit sunflower seeds. And I'm wondering if there are going to be people checking in on that to see if there's if, you know, all sorts of ramifications of this. What are guys going to do in the dugout, Geese, if they can't chew sunflower yeah. seeds and spit them? like that? They've been doing that since they were – Three years right. old, imitating a big leaguer. Yeah. Well, first of all, in the dugout, they're going to be so spread out, you might not see what the guy on the end of the bench is doing because the end of the bench <laughs> is now the cam the camera well adjacent to the duck. You know, so yeah, Great Great American Ballpark has already been configured, and it is bizarre. It is a bizarro world right now at the ballpark with things that they've done. So you know, everything's spread out in the dugout. The camera wells on each side of the dugout now house chairs that are you know, five, six feet apart for guys to be in there. They potentially might have people in the first row of the stands above the dugout just to spread people out. So what are they going to do in the dugout? That's a big question. We talked to David Bell the other day and he said, he said, look, you know, the, the, the spitting, he said, you know, we, he said, we've come up with some things for the, you know, the high fives and the handshakes. We're, we're kind of conditioning ourselves to, you know, to get past 
doing that anymore. But, you know, he said, you know, spitting's going to be a tough one, you know, uh, you know, going over and, and being in close proximity to somebody to talk about, it's going to be a tough one. So there, there are these yeah. things and it's not going to be perfect. Um, but there are some real differences in, in, in the way that hockey and baseball are attacking this and baseball is obviously already in the, you know, already hit the ground and, and gotten things going, but it's, yeah. it's unusual because basically leave the ballpark, the ballpark is the bubble and then everybody goes home and then wow. everybody's on the honor system after that. And That's so Allison's, yeah. And so Allison, you know, you mentioned, well, you know, you're going to be here and you're going to be asked to do this and do this. And do that. Well, once you leave the ballpark, it's, it's the honor system. And so you've got to trust a lot of guys to do a lot of things right and to put everybody else in the best situation. And that's another thing that just seems awfully daunting at this point. Allison, one thing that interests me, and I don't want to get too political. I love to get political, but I should. <laughs> um, in, in our country right now, there are lots of people with varying degrees of um, belief that this is even a thing or varying degrees of how much they believe or who they believe, uh, what they will or what they won't do. I don't think we've heard much. In other words, we don't hear from baseball players saying, this is BS. I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to live my life. It's not a big deal. We haven't heard hockey players doubt the legitimacy of this. Do, do we think that it's there within their ranks, just like it is in the general public or because they're a part of this league and the league is taking it so seriously that perhaps they believe in the science and, and the experts as well. Is that a loaded question? <laughs> well, uh, I will simply say, based on what we're seeing some former NHL players say publicly, that yes, there are probably people who don't believe okay. <laughs> what, uh, what science is advising mm -hmm. us to believe. You guys all know I write from a STEM-based perspective as is, it's, so it's very hard for me to understand debating science. I think it's fair to question the evolution of findings, right? Because this is a new virus and we're learning about it every day, just like we learn about a new plant or heck, a new team in, in any league. We learn what their identity is. We learn how they play. Same kind of thing with this virus. We are learning, which means things will change and evolve, but it, it, it's hard for me to understand how you can question that. And it's hard for me to understand how science can become political, but, um, Listen, at this point, I do think there's some people who probably don't believe it. I just ask that, just like we all do in many walks of life, you may not always agree, but please follow the rules for the, for the benefit of others. Yeah, yeah. It seems like that, that seems to be the general, the tenor coming from the players anyways, the, the limited access the players have had. Um, real quick now, the Blue Jackets play the Leafs. Uh, Geese, just your thoughts on... We've got some time to kick that thing around <laughs> August 1st, but uh, your thoughts on the Blue Jackets and, and their matchup with the Leafs? Well, I, I, you know, we could say we like the matchup or you could say you don't like the matchup, but what are you basing that on, right? You're, you're basing it on three months ago and a completely different roster. And the thing that I've said throughout this is um, we can look forward to these matchups but the storylines are completely different. Um, you know, the, the way they ended the season or the last game they played on March 8th or whatever it was, um, it's going to be completely different. And so any assessment someone makes of a team or their chances or their makeup, um, it's hard to put much into that 
if you're basing it on what the team was like three months ago, because it's obviously been well documented. The Jackets get all these players back. Well, so do, you know, so did all the other teams get injured players back. The Jackets just happen to have a whole lot of those guys that potentially could be back. And so when I look at it, the biggest question for me for the Jackets is just which team are you going to ride with? You know, which, which team gets the most rope, which team gets the chance? Is it you put the team on the ice, obviously that you consider to be your best players. And, and, you know, I think most of us uh, certainly believe that's going to happen, but that's not the team that was playing well enough to keep them on the bubble on the edge at the end of the season. That was a team with all those young guys that had come up and in some ways kind of helped salvage the season. And so, you know, you start with your, with your main guys who are back. Does Torts stay with those guys? Does he give them a short uh, leash in terms of how long they play before he reaches down and grabs one of those young guys by the back of the jersey and says, go, to, go in there and do it? Um, so I don't know. The Jackets, I think, are really well-equipped with, obviously, the injured guys they got back to be a dangerous team. But – then again, you wonder where the chemistry is and if it's going to come back quickly, how guys are going to play. Every team has some of those same question marks, but, but that's what I'll be curious to see is, is which team Torts kind of puts his chips on the table behind in terms of how long he sticks with a group of players. Yeah. And Allison, how long do you think the rope is for goalies? And I don't mean that just as a John Torrell yeah. question because he, he was incredibly patient with Bob Bobrovsky the first couple of years in the playoffs, I don't think he has a history of being uh, irrationally quick with goalies in the playoffs, but best of five. I mean, you, yeah. you don't get, you, there's, there can't be much leash, right? Well, I mean, and it's funny cause that was going to be my, my answer to biggest question for the yeah. team um, is goaltending. And I think that, I, I think it's going to be really interesting because again, we have two goaltenders where it's not just about the performance in this one series, but it's about the long-term impact of a guy has one bad game and you pull him. Um, And I think that Manny legacy is probably going to have a really big voice in that. Um, But for me, goaltending is going to be the, the biggest question. And I think that the speed at which torts may be willing to change course is going to be decided in training camp. Um, because again, how these goaltenders have been able to stay engaged, stay in shape, stay ready to return, manage against injury, return sharp. That to me is going to be the hardest thing for this team in terms of how they need to play to win. Yeah. And people keep, I keep uh, reminding myself and getting reminded that the qualifying round is not the playoffs and that's fine. Call it whatever you want. It's best of five for the teams mm-hmm. who are playing the qualifying rounds. It's the playoffs. Right. It's the playoffs because if they lose that series, that's it. They're they're done. They're gone. Um, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be crazy. The unpredictable results. The things like that like Gee said. The things you think you know about these teams. Who's ready? Who isn't? Um, incredibly unpredictable. Not and not just because it's five game series. I think it's just going to be crazy all over the map. Support for Front and Nationwide is brought to you by Manscaped the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Big news, Manscaped just launched in Canada. So for those listeners in Canada, you can be one of the first Canadians to experience their life-changing products. 
Yes, the world's best below-the-belt trimmer is now available north of the border. The third-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents. Ouch. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery now lasts 90 minutes, so you can take a longer shave. If you're listening to Front and Nationwide, I want you to experience this firsthand for yourself. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TheAthletic at Manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at Manscaped.com and use the code TheAthletic. And for a limited time, subscribers get not one, but two free gifts. The Shed Travel Bag, a $39 value, and the patented high-performance anti-chafing Manscaped Boxer Briefs. So go to manscaped.com today and use the code THEATHLETIC. All right, Geese, you're going on the hot seat now. Enough of this round table <laughs> stuff. Um, uh, we're, we're coming at you now, double barrel. Um, Fire away. Uh, return to play. Such a different process for hockey and baseball. Baseball's was <laughs> incredibly acrimonious. Uh, hockey's was fairly cordial and almost quiet until boom. Oh my God, they're working on a whole new CBA here, which is pretty incredible and maybe not getting the respect um, that it deserves to to in a number of what, eight weeks maybe to put together a a new CBA and and, and like this is pretty incredible. Can you just speak to the differences between the way that these two sports have sort of worked their way back to coming uh, back into, into play again? Well, I think you, you nailed it, and anyone that uh, follows baseball or is involved in baseball, if you don't look at hockey right now and say, wow, you know, those, those guys actually, actually got some important things done, and they did it in a manner that seemed professional, and who knows what it looks like behind the scenes. It doesn't matter, yeah. but they got, it, they got it done. And I think in the same way, I think while that was taking place, hockey probably looked over their shoulder at baseball and said, oh, my gosh, what a, what a train wreck that is. We can't afford to have ourselves in that same situation. Um, and so, yeah, I feel great that, about the CBA. And, and in baseball, um, you know, everybody knew this was on the horizon, like every sport in every league knows. And everybody's, you know, each of the two sports has had a, a work stoppage or, you know, that kind of problem before. Um, but we've known this, the CBA thing for the players and owners in baseball was on the horizon, you know, for a couple of years and everybody's going, Oh, you know, gosh, if we can just figure something out before, you know, the end of 21 and then it gets pushed to the table, you know, earlier than expected. And as a result of just how do we get through a pandemic, they end up fighting the CBA fight. Um, and so it was like they missed the ball, you know, they, they swung and missed the, the, the goal here was to, you know, find a a good and safe and fair way to potentially come back, uh, and, and get back on the field during the pandemic. And then it just got so sideways with all of the talk about money and agreements. And I don't have to go into everything you guys have already read and heard. It was just, it was a mess. And the more and more you hear from players, now, uh, uh, while there's certainly their representation and, and everything, you know, was certainly a big part of this and their vote goes a long way. Play, a lot of players are embarrassed because they saw sitting at home, you know, they weren't playing during all this and being at the ballpark 10 hours a day and not really paying attention. They were sitting at home like the rest of us looking at Twitter or watching the news <laughs> and going, oh, my gosh, this is this is a PR nightmare. What did he so, say? 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they have that to, to clean up. Um, but, you know, good on hockey for, for getting something done. And, and baseball has, has some, uh, some work to do. We saw what happened the last time, you know, the season stopped. It took a long time to recover. Uh, certainly the, you know, the environment right now is even different than it was back then in terms of, you know, they're already having trouble with an aging fan base, already having trouble in some places with people going to the ballpark. And so I, th I think they've opened the door to some things they, they don't really want to talk about, but they've got to figure it out now to, to move forward and keep this, keep this thing going. Geez, it was fun for me since I wasn't the one having to stress through it, but watching you guys <laughs> evolve as, as, a, as media teams covering, and again, you, you have this unique perspective because you cover two sports. You know, and I, I was able to catch some of the Fox Sports Blue Jackets segments that you guys did, and, and then, you know, you, after when baseball's coming back, I see clips of you on the desk, you know, covering the Reds. Like, what have you learned or evolved your job to because of this pandemic? And, and what do you think the challenges are going to be for covering each of these sports if and when they do return to coverable things? <laughs> yeah, no, I think the challenge, and I, I think you and I, you know, the three of us would all agree on this. Um, the challenge is going to be doing it from a distance. Yeah. Um, you know, if we're in a studio doing a pre, a post, an intermission for hockey or doing a baseball game, what can we offer in terms of insight and what can we offer in terms of discussing the game and the players that the guy sitting in his basement at home can't, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that, that's what, I mean, face it, that's what all of us in some ways that's, that's the goal is, is to bring the audience or to bring the reader something that they didn't know, hadn't thought about, or hadn't seen in a certain light. You guys do that, you know, beautifully with The Athletic. We try to do that on TV. Well, we've essentially lost most of that access now. How many times, uh, and Porty, especially you and I have talked about this before, when you covered baseball, you know, you just walk into the clubhouse on a nothing Tuesday afternoon and you're thinking about your back in the day, you're thinking about your game story or you're, you're thinking about, you know, just how you can come up with a few hundred words to cover your Tuesday right. and, and you bump into something and, and, and you run into a guy at his locker and some nothing small talk conversation turns into something really interesting yep. and you're the only one standing there. Yep. And so it's your story to tell. And now with Zoom interviews for all of the media at once and, you know, almost no access unless you happen to be, you know, someone who, you know, who can work, you know, your Rolodex and, and call guys on the side and they're willing to take your calls, uh, you've eliminated a lot of that access. So I think that's the challenge for us. And even, you know, we don't break news on our shows and, and we, don't, we don't do those things with the pregame and the postgame, but we need to be able to come every night armed with something. And it usually happens from talking to a player or from hashing something out between all. We've got to make sure that we come every night thinking that way and thinking, okay, this is different in that we don't have something in our hip pockets that's just going to come up uh, that, we, that we found this afternoon at the ballpark or at the rink because we weren't there. And yeah. so I think the challenge is um, let's, 
you know, it's going to push us to, to maybe be a little smarter, to maybe work a little smarter, to maybe think a little bit differently. And I, I'm glad for the challenge because you guys know how monotonous these seasons <laughs> can get at some point, you know, and every once in a while you need something to bump you and bite you in the butt and make you go, okay, let's, let's think about this a different way than we have before. All right, geez, real talk. Who had real the, hard, talk. Who had the hard t- hardest time adapting to Zoom? <laughs> uh, well, uh, <laughs> probably if you wanted to guess, I would probably say that you have a pretty strong chance of guessing correctly. Uh, but it was really fun. It's been really fun. Uh, we've all had our moments. So I'll put it this way. Okay, so yeah, Rims had some moments, <gasps> as you would imagine. But amazingly, amazingly, I don't think I've done a show with Rims yet where his phone rang. Uh, oh. So there's that. So he so somehow, I don't know, but somehow he, he controlled that. Uh, Mets had some... Mets had some dial-up internet at his house and, you know, kept, kept falling off and, and held us up for a couple of times. And then he got that fixed. And then all of us at some point were somewhere else while we were doing these shows. And so Jody has done shows from the driver's seat of his pickup at a baseball game for his kid. Uh, I, I somehow managed to zoom in from being completely off the grid in the Texas Hill Country, I had to drive to a general store, and yes, it is a general store, <laughs> uh, and sit outside, and I could just sniff enough of a signal that I was able to get a couple of questions in. Uh, you know, and John Luke's been rock solid. You know, he's been there in his office at home, uh, same background. He's he's there every time, so it's uh, it's been really fun. Uh, but we get a, we get some good laughs every week when. You know, somebody faces their own little issues. Yeah. Well, let me ask you about Jean-Luc, because I, I, I'm i not sure. I, I don't think even people in the, the written word end of media recognize how difficult it can be to replace somebody who is so beloved as Bill Davidge. Um, Jean-Luc stepped in like I th- – you know, from what I saw, and obviously we don't watch a lot of the games on TV because we're at the games. He seemed, Jean-Luc seemed to do so well. You, you're, your guys' is on-air chemistry. Like, so I good. Think you're, yeah, I think you guys are, are good. You guys could probably act a little bit here and there. But <laughs> it's genuine. No, no. It's <laughs> genuine. I sense it's a genuine chemistry that formed pretty quickly. Am I right? Yeah, you're right. And, and you guys know, first off, how much I love Billy, how much I love Billy. Yeah. Um, but how much, and, and, and this is, you know, we're talking about before about just finding different times in your, in your career where you get challenged in different ways. Uh, Billy was my security blanket mm-hmm. for, for five years. Billy was my security blanket in so many ways. Um, not only did he and Travis and Dan Kamal, uh, and yeah. Mets and Jody and Rims, not only did they all kind of help me get into this and help me get started. And, you know, I'm, I'm eternally grateful to all of them for giving me a chance because they didn't have to, they didn't have to be as nice as they were. They didn't have to be as helpful as they were. They didn't have to be as patient as they were to a guy who was stepping into their, uh, their world in hockey and, and, and hadn't been in that world all that much. Um, and so, you know, I, I got to a point with, with Billy where I thought, okay, yeah, yeah, I can do this, but I've always got Billy there. You know, if, if, I, if I lock up 
you know, I can give him a look and away he goes and I might right. not talk until the next commercial. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when, when I first thought about that being gone, obviously there was some, you know, some thought on my part of, Oh, you know, man, what am I going to do? Because I don't, I don't have that now, but John Luke, not only, not only stepped in and very quickly learned television. You know, we'd all seen him do radio. We're seeing him on the Jumbotron. Uh, not only did he quickly get comfortable with television, but he made it so easy um, for me to get to know him, for us to kind of build a little bit of a rapport, and for that rapport to turn into a very good friendship. And then also... Uh, he allowed me, I don't know if he knew he was doing this or not, but he allowed me to kind of figure out who I needed to be now that Billy wasn't sitting next to me. Mm. And, and I hope, I hope that what I did was figure out who I needed to be to Jean-Luc because that's my role. That's my job. And I think the two of us together found that pretty quickly. And, and yeah, no one wants to replace the legend, right? Um, yeah. But that was, that was never on his mind. Billy was always his biggest supporter and was always in his corner and supported both of us and continues to do that. But, uh, you know, it's a completely different dynamic than, than what we had with the old coach, right? Sure. And, and for me, um, I've loved it because he's funny. He's always positive. He's really smart. Uh, he gets what we're doing and he doesn't have an ego. Yeah. Um, and all of those things, not that you can't work with people who have some of those, you know, because we all can, right? But it's just so easy. I just look forward to seeing him at the rink. I look forward to talking to him on an off day. Uh, my wife gives me a hard time, uh, you know, if, if she's in the room and my phone rings and it's John Luke or something, she says, oh, wow, you, get, she says, you, just, you just light up when he calls. Uh, <laughs> And, I, and, it, and it's true. We just, I, we just enjoy each other. We've enjoyed talking during the time off, but I hope, uh, I hope he has enjoyed it as much as I have. And I hope that, uh, I hope that we get to do it together for a long time. I think he's really talented. I think he's only scratched the surface and I hope that what we have can continue to grow because it's been a really, really enjoyable thing for me. The only problem I see with your, you guys together is you <laughs> laugh. <laughs> I wonder if you're going to be able to keep it together. He, he is genuinely funny, even when he tries, when he's not oh trying. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you guys know that. And Allison's got that, that great <laughs> capture that she had. Uh, you know, it's just, he, uh, you know, he said before when I, I've seen him, you know, talking to other people about us, he said, you know, I just, he said, I just wish you could see. So we, you know, we laugh so much. And during the commercials, we laugh and, uh, it's true. And we just kind of get each other. Um, I, you know, I didn't play professional sports. Uh, I don't speak French. I didn't grow up in Canada. You didn't you skate, know, figure skate. I, I wasn't a figure skater with a white turtleneck. Uh, you know, I was a small town, Texas, uh, bad accent, football playing kid from the country. And to see those worlds kind of intersect and, and hopefully mesh in some way that's, you know, that's cool. And there's some chemistry there is I, we laugh about that all the time. So, I, you know, in the same way that I, I lobbied and I lobbied and I lobbied Fox sports, Ohio to let us go on the road. So Billy could take me to Dunville, Ontario. 
which, you know, that, which, which was just, if, if you guys had seen, you know, you've seen him around every rink in the national hockey league. He's like the mayor. You should have seen him in his hometown. Oh, uh, imagine the beaming. Oh, it was unbelievable. Um, the stories we could go there are, are many, but you know, I've, I'm lobbying right now to get to go to Montreal with Jean-Luc and to get to take those guys to Cameron, Texas, because yes. how great would that be oh my to God. get it's them to Cameron, Texas? To What's that? It's a buddy cop movie waiting to happen. <laughs> that's right. So um, that, you know, that's been the beauty. And, and I'm sorry, I'm going so long on this, but that's another oh. thing I like about hockey is, um, you know, e- even though baseball, yes, there's, there are international players and, and obviously that's part of the game. But in hockey, right away, I just felt this, I felt this international flavor and this sense, though, that everyone was together and everyone with all of these different and varied backgrounds and from all these different countries, it all seemed to come together and maybe in a little bit different way than it does in baseball. Um, I mean, Porter, you've seen baseball clubhouses. Sometimes they're, it's one big open room, but sometimes there's some very big walls up yeah, in, in, those, in those rooms, right? It's very divided. Uh, and I've always admired that about hockey is it just, it, it felt, you know, it felt very good and together and uh, very diverse. And I've, I've always appreciated that. It is amazing when you walk through the room and you, Russia, Finland, Czech Republic, yeah. oh, Denmark, Canada, yeah. U.S. Like, wow, there's guys from all, all over the place. Right. All over the world. Down there. Yeah. And, and they all grew up differently, very yeah. differently. Yeah. And, and, then, and then here we are. And I think there's yeah. certainly, especially in the climate today, there's something about that that speaks to me very warmly when I think about it. That's awesome. Each one last one for you. What does your schedule look like and how can this possibly be juggled? How can this work? <laughs> well, you know, you said, so, you know, in a typical season or what we used to consider normal life, uh, you know, hockey and baseball overlap when the, when the jackets are in the playoffs, they overlap a good bit um, like they have been the last three years. And so uh, the way I understand it right now, and believe me, our, our plan for our broadcasts, are not set in stone right now, obviously, because the schedules aren't out and, and those things, although the baseball schedule came out last night. Uh, but my plan right now is to do this part of the year the way that I would have done uh, April and May in that uh, if the Jackets have a game, uh, I will go to that game or I will do that game and then I'll do baseball on every other available day until the Jackets are, are done. Um, and then – you know, then it's baseball, assuming everything goes off and we continue to play. But that's the way I like it. People always it, – it, it is crazy. But, um, man, last season was so fun, you yeah. know, with the run that the Jackets were on and then doing baseball in between with the Reds celebrating, you know, 150 seasons down here. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's good to work every day. And now that we haven't worked much in the last <laughs> few months, it sounds really good to work every day. So I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. Geese, thanks for joining us. I'm glad we could do this. Hey, thank you guys for asking. It was, uh, like I said, it's good to talk and it's, it's good to, uh, you know, to bounce some, some things off some other people. I read you guys religiously. So thanks for that. Doing a great job, but uh, I always enjoy the conversation. Yeah. Thanks, man. Hopefully we'll see you somehow or other. At the <laughs> uh, I hope in, so. In the coming days. Thanks, man. Talk to you soon. You bet. Thanks, Geese.